We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the Field of 68 after dark on a Wednesday evening. I'm John Fanta. We've got the All-American Randolph Childress with us. We have... A man that feels like an All-American right now, Carter Elliott, with us because Sparty got it done at Hinkle Fieldhouse at Butler. Coming up on tonight's show, we have BYU star Alex Barcelo to break down how the Cougars blew away the Oregon Ducks last night, one of Oregon's worst non-conference losses ever. Uh, plus, we have the upset of the night. But don't call it an upset, says Kim English. The George Mason head coach will join us after the Patriots knock off number 20 Maryland in College Park. But first, we begin with Sparty. Michigan State just over a week removed from a loss to the Champions Classic to Kansas. Not a convincing night. Tonight, the Spartans put it all together. A commanding win over the Butler Bulldogs at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So let's go to the Spartan expert himself. Carter, is Sparty back? Uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a dub we needed. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, we haven't played a true non-conference road game in a long, long time. Uh, I know it's a, there's an actual stat behind that on the last time we did, but just know it was almost over a year or plus ago that we did have a true non, you know, non-conference road game. So despite the talent of Butler and where they are as a program, I mean, Hinkle is a very, very tough place to play. Tough place to go into and get a win. And look, we came away with a win, a pretty convincing win at that. And we didn't really have all guys hitting on all cylinders. We still didn't get much from the power forward spot tonight. Still think we can get a lot out of Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogarth at the point guard spot. But look, anytime you can go onto a road game and come away with a win in a very hostile environment, you can't help but be happy. Randolph Childress, we were bringing up a couple different dimensions to this game. Uh, but for Michigan State to win by 21 at a tough place to play Hinkle right. Fieldhouse, when you look at what they did well tonight, what what pops in your brain first? Well, they defended. I mean, you know they're going to compete on the defensive end. I thought they they dug in and competed for 40 minutes on on the defensive side of the floor, and then offensively, it's going to be you know it's going to be different every night. Tonight, you know, Christie had it going. Gabe Brown had it going. You know, those guys led the offensive attack. I'd like to see Tyson Walker be a little bit more aggressive. We spoke about that earlier. i like for him to – I think he gets anywhere he wants to get on the floor. He's trying to be a pass-first guy for a guy that averaged 18 points a game last year. You know he can score the ball. They're going to need him to be a little bit more offensively aggressive in order for him to take another step, particularly when they get in the conference play. 
Definitely, Randall. I think I think speaking on Tyson Walker a little bit more, too, when I was watching that game against Kansas in the Champions Classic, I saw a point guard who was basically overthinking things. Everything that he was doing, he's thinking in my head, okay, I'm going to go off this pick and roll. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see what opens up. I'm going to pass it instead of instead of just trusting himself as a basketball player. Look, Tyson Walker is a very good basketball player and he can score the basketball, too. And I don't think he's shown that yet. And I think that he just needs to take a step back realize that he is a really good basketball player and play the game like he knows how he doesn't necessarily have to pass to make be have an effect on our offense if he's scoring the ball that's going to open up things for everybody on the court so I still think we haven't yet seen that Tyson Walker so the fact that we're still getting wins right now without him doing that is a a good sign to me I think he's the guy I think he's the guy that can give a little bit more AJ has done a great job and Hogarth has done a great job with his body I thought he played really well against Kansas. Not as much tonight. Didn't get as many minutes, but Tyson has been consistent. Again, he was really, really passive against Kansas. I thought he was a little more aggressive tonight, but we know there's a history there of him scoring the basketball. And he's, like you said, he was a little timid early on, but tonight I thought he was a little more aggressive. Yeah, I think he let it loose tonight in this game. And I think as a result, Gabe Brown's able to benefit there and getting catch and shoot opportunities. And tonight, Gabe Brown knocks down four triples. You could feel the potential of this backcourt in this game and the way that they matched. I mean, between Walker and then Hogard, you're talking about nine assists. Right. And, and Michigan State did not have flow. Like, take Kansas out of the equation. I know Jayhawks are damn good. It, it felt like on opening night, Michigan State was timid. It, they were a timid basketball team. You know who wasn't timid that night, though, guys, and, and was not timid tonight? I'm telling you right now. I think my favorite player on this team, Carter, in terms of aggressiveness and the way that he makes things happen, I am big on Marcus Bingham and the way yeah. that he establishes the physicality of the yeah. game. It reminds me of a Tom Izzo, prototypical big. He, tonight again, he's the aggressor for this Michigan State team, and that's a constant to the Spartans' success, is it not? Definitely is, and I'm going to sound like a broken record because I was saying this all during the preseason. Michigan State and Tom Izzo have a knack for having big men. Once they get into their third or fourth year, they take that jump. And I feel like I have been saying every single summer, all right, this is it for Marcus Bingham. Maybe put on a little weight. Maybe he got a little stronger. This is it. Well, now there's no more this is it because this really is it. It's his last season. So we need him to step up. I would like to see his conditioning maybe improve a little bit. It seems that he gets gassed sometimes, but you know what? I'll take what I can get out of him. I mean, he's doing great on the defensive end, you know, evident tonight. I think he has six or seven blocks. Um, So, you know, at at a spot where we had a lot of question marks last year at the center position, I think it feels good to kind of, you know, answer that question. I think Marcus Bingham is our guy. I'll tell you what he's done this year. He's anchored that interior. You know, there's no free lanes. He gave McCormick all he wanted. He struggled against him. And I think he controlled the paint tonight, letting the guards get out against the Butler guards get, you know, he, I was really impressed with this ball screen defense. He's getting out. He's showing. He's getting back to his man. I think that's why he's fatiguing so much is because that's the way people are going to attack him. If you're going to let him sit in the paint, you're not going to score. So you got to bring him out. So he's constantly coming out, hedging ball screens, running back, hedging ball screens. So when he gets in the conference play and he gets to hang around the rim a little bit more, I think his minutes will, you know, his foul trouble will stay down. His minutes will, his, his, you know, his production will go up with his minutes will increase. Randolph, can we go a step further on that? When you're asking a big man to do that, everything it entails. Like, if it were so easy, every big man would try to do it. Like, how specific is that to what Tom Izzo demands from a big man? Well, if you know that's Michigan State, that's the way you got to guard. He's going hard hedge and recover, right? 
And it, it's a people don't, you know, people take that for granted. You go, Butler was attacking them and putting them in ball screens. He's out there two and three times a possession, defending the ball screen and recovering back to his guy. And then in the offensive end, he's screening and rolling and doing everything else. So people take for granted how much running a big man will do. And I think that's he's so vital to their team. Maybe they, they won't change it. He's just going to have to get used to doing it. Tom, Coach Izzo isn't changing that. Definitely. Carter, on the Butler side of things, um, this, this was their worst home loss in seven years. Uh, how should the Bulldogs feel after tonight? You know, I think they should honestly feel a little disappointed because, you know, it's the first home game in a while where they have fans in the stands. Hinkle was electric. I mean, it was it was packed in there. Uh, they get their star guard and Thompson back. Um, you know, I think they expect a little bit more out of themselves. I don't think that was Butler's best performance by any stretch or any means. Um, and I always believe in this Butler team or Butler in general because I love LaBelle Jordan. I think he's a great coach. I think he's going to get it done. Um, it might take some time, but he's going to get it done. This Butler team played bad tonight, just flat out played bad. So I don't think it'll continue throughout the year. They'll definitely have better games, long season ahead of them. They'll take this lump and move on. Yeah, need so, to I, out. Go ahead, Randall. I think the injury to Bryce Enzi is, is going to be huge. You know, hey. we saw him go out with a shoulder injury and grab it and take it from a guy that's had three shoulder surgeries. You don't want to start that process. When you start having those issues, I think the concerning thing was he didn't come back. You know, so that 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 doesn't bode well. And we know Manny Bates is out already with a shoulder injury. So if that's bad, they're going to miss him. And that, that just further, you know, limits their bench and their rotation going forward. So, you know, tonight, give credit to, to, to Michigan State. I thought Michigan State is just a tough out for those guys. They can't get to the rim. Marcus Bingham was just tough. I, I think they'll bounce back. Bryce Gold, and he was ineffective. So yeah. both bigs that they've played against, that, that Marcus Bingham has played against, has literally done nothing against him. And we got to give him credit for that. And that affects your guards. Yeah. Yeah. M Butler tried to beat Michigan State in their own game. And frankly, right. it, it didn't work in this one uh, as Michigan State rolls a, an emphatic performance by Tom Izzo's team and maybe gets us all rethinking about what the Spartans can be this season. Let's get to our first guest of the night. What a performance by the senior. Not surprising because he's an All-American. He's one of the top shooters in college basketball. It's Alex Barcelo who decided to come back to BYU and now the senior with 25 points in a 32-point win over Dana Altman's Oregon Ducks. It looks like we've got Alex coming in here uh, right now in just a moment. But my goodness gracious, in terms of the statements of the season, BYU beating Oregon 81-49 to 49, um, was just that. And uh, we're waiting on, on Alex here. But, man, oh, man, I don't know what you guys saw. Randolph, like, how did BYU do that to Oregon? They made shots, and obviously Alex was great. But I, I, I don't even think anyone predicted that. I mean, that was just a great performance. I know they're not – but 41 points or 31 points better than, than uh, Oregon. But listen, give them credit. They played well. Um, they're well coached. We know they're going to be, and they got one of the best players in college basketball. So when you got a guy like that on your team, you're always going to be in games, but he is playing at a high, high level. He is playing at a high level. And I, I tell you what, Carter, uh, Mark Pope has done a sensational job at BYU. I, I, I love watching them play. I think his offensive design is, 
it's it's efficient. Mm-hmm. It's attentive to detail. They know who they are. And Barcelo, like Pope, Pope brought this up last night, and he brought it up in the preseason. He said, I, I've never experienced winning without Alex Barcelo, and I'm not going to try to find out what it would be like without him now. And that's why Barcelo coming back to BYU is so, so big for them. Yeah, I think I think the main point that you that I want to get across with BYU that you brought up is they have an identity and everyone on the team from the guys who are starting all the way to the end of the bench. They're all bought into that identity. They're bought into what Coach Pope wants them to do. And, you know, I would be interested to know. And I really think that they have they honestly probably have a chip on their shoulder because they bring back a lot of talent from last year and they weren't ranked in the top 25. Now, of course, they can say they don't look at rankings and stuff like that, but I know players have that in the back of their head that they want some respect and they saw this as an opportunity. Cause I know that a lot of people were thinking that Oregon was going to win that basketball game. And they probably knew that people thought that too. So they came in they're like, all right, let's send a message. We're on the big stage. We're playing on ESPN. Let's, let's show like what BYU basketball is all about. They did. We're, we're trying to get Alex Barcelo on the show right now. It's field of 68 after dark. Um, I'll tell you what, St. John's and Indiana are going right down to the wire right now. Uh, IU is up by four with a little over three and a half minutes left. And uh, I, I just, I look at the way that this game's been played. Indiana was up double digits. Montez Mathis gets ejected, Randolph. But the 40 minutes of hell, Nolan Richardson pressure that Mike Anderson breaks out, it never wavered. Well, you that, and you know when you got a guy like Champigny on your team. You know he's a certified bucket, and you're going to be in it offensively. So when you're a Mike Anderson coach team, you're going to compete. You know, you're not going to play. So we knew coming in there was enough talent there that they were going to compete. I, I was never concerned that Indiana was going to run away. It's a great test for this team going forward. So I'm curious to see how they respond the rest of the way. But I, I'm expecting St. John to have a really good year. We got charbage going on, from what I understand. I have people that- did you see this charge? Did you see that charge call, Fanta? I don't. I don't have it up right now. Was it that? Oh, bad? oh God! If Posh Alexander uh, or Trace Jackson Davis took a charge on Posh Alexander, that shouldn't be allowed because the height difference. That's not. That's one of the refs got to let go. Where do you fall, Randolph, on Charbage? Oh, I, I tell you what, it depends on who's you know, what side of the charge call I was on. That, that was my personal opinion of it. You know, when I was, you know, you always love your parents to do it. You know, I don't like the bigs taking them. I prefer them go vertical and not have any, uh, you know, not take charges. But again, it's a great play. You got bigs that's not, I don't think he's a great shot blocker. So if you're not a great shot blocker, give me guys at the top of the rim. I think you should take charges. Yeah. Speaking as an undersized center, I use charges to my advantage <laughs> at all times. I didn't have the athleticism. I couldn't jump right. over a piece of paper. Right. But I knew that that guy was going to go baseline. And I'm stepping there and I'm acting like I got hit by a train. I'm falling all the way back. It, it's the play you want, right? It's the play you want your bigs to be able to do, right? Of course. You're, you're putting another foul on the other guy. If you don't have a vertical jump in a Manny base type of shot blocker, you want your guys taking, taking charges. Absolutely. 1,000%. You know what stands out to me in this, Carter, is that you said right before we went on air that you're surprised by Indiana a little bit. Why? I am because, you know, I just didn't expect them to, I don't, you know, it might've been a thing with me with, I wasn't really a big fan of the Mike Woodson hire necessarily. I'm more on the side of, I like the coaches that maybe like 
they could have, I thought this was a great opportunity for Indiana to kind of inject like some youth into the system, kind of, you know, bring up a younger up and coming guy, maybe, or a younger guy that's maybe a little more established. Mike Woodson is just kind of like, you know, it gives me grandpa vibes sometimes. So it's, it's, I mean, great coach, of course, you know, his, his resume speaks for itself, but you know, it's just, you know, I, I don't really want to go kick it with Mike Woodson necessarily. But I'll tell you what it does. He comes in with a, he's a heck of a coach coming from, you know, with an NBA pedigree, right? So if you, you know, Indiana wants to get back to being a, a program where the pro play, players want to go, come to. And so you hire a guy like that, you know, he knows what it takes to get you to the next level. And I think that's what their intention was with hiring Mike. He's a heck of a coach. And like you said, it's not just about X and O's. He, he has that down. But I think just to, being an NBA guy, being a successful NBA guy, is the key to that. And I think he, he he's going to get talent and players are going to want to stay in Indiana, I believe, and then come to play for him. That's key. Keeping the yeah. dudes in Indiana. Right. And, and for me, like, I'll tell you what, I look at Mike Woodson tonight. I appreciate he went the full suit and tie. Assembly Hall is absolutely rocking. Mike Woodson knew walking into tonight that there are people inside that building that doubted this hire, that doubt him, and that are in doubt with the program. Right. This is a chance right here if they can close this out. For him to say, hey, I'm, I'm not here to just take a paycheck. Right. I'm here for a bit of a redemption here. I took this opportunity because people didn't think I could coach basketball anymore, and I'm going to try to do it. The fact is, IU is still the brand that can absolutely and will absolutely recruit itself. Indiana basketball is going to recruit itself. you got to have a good staff, though. you got to have a staff that, that can hustle. You know, And I think that Mike Woodson assembled a staff that, that can be – in the right places there it's it's not like everybody who thinks that that you that a, when a team walks through for a game that Mike Woodson's supposed to run 100% of the walkthrough let me tell you something right now the best coaching staffs in America delegate these things and have different guys on different parts the, the head coach is a CEO sometimes right. it's got to be an X's and O's guy but you know what the best head coaches know their strengths and know their weaknesses right Randolph I agree the best programs in the country delegate and you have to. You, you, you show me a program where the co- head coach does everything, and I'll show you a program that's not very successful. The other thing about Mike, guys, is it, it means something. It means more to you when it's your alma mater. You know, and yeah. I think that's something that we take for granted that, you know, like right now, Carter, if you were the head coach at Michigan State, it would matter to you, right? It would be, it would mean something special no matter what the age was. And I think that's something that, you know, some can question his age, but his, 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 his ability to adjust. Most of the things people are going to say, typically NBA guys, oh, I don't like to hire because until this most recent regime of guys, the NBA guys hadn't been very successful because they didn't like the grind. They didn't want to get out and recruit. But like you said, Indiana's a program. What is Indiana? It's an historic program, right? It's going to recruit itself. So if they can start tapping into that Indiana, that Chicago area, and start getting players, you know, then then Mike's going to have it rolling over there. Mm. Indiana up by three with two minutes on the clock. Got to tell you what, these Gavit games have been wild this week. I mean, Seton Hall, Michigan last night, Marquette in Illinois on Monday night. Uh, Big Ten could use this here. And if the if St. John's finds a way, it would really be some kind of comeback for them. I mean, it, this has been a great basketball game. It really has. I, and I, like, I, like, I, like I said earlier, John, like I thought – I had some thoughts about Indiana coming into this basketball game, and they're really changing my mind with this game. I see a team that I think, like Randolph said, they're buying into what Woodson's putting out, and they're playing extremely hard. And, you know, that's 
you know, I can see that as being something that lasts with this team. Obviously, they're trying to play hard for the program, but a team that's going to play for their coach, too, is always, you know, a team that's going to be successful. And it matters when it's early, too, guys. You know, when you first take over and you're implementing change and you're trying to get buy-in, when you have some success, the more success Mike Woodson in the end has, the more buy-in he's going to get from his players and staff. So we're talking about recruiting and everything else. But just with this, the construction of this current team, winning games early will get more buy-in. All right, let's get to Alex Barcelo, the BYU star who led the Cougars with 25 points in an 81-49 to win over a ranked Oregon Duck squad. The statement maker, one of the statement makers of the college basketball season thus far, Alex Barcelo. How you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing fantastic, and it's great to have you. I, I got to tell you, Alex, it juts out. It's not often that that that, and this is nothing about BYU as much as it is we all, the three of us, watching Oregon through the years. It's not often that you see Oregon lose eighty-one to forty-nine. So tell us, take us inside the locker room. What was being stressed by Coach Pope that then you guys took out on the court and were able to execute so well to win a game? like this in this fashion over a, a great Oregon program? Yeah, first off and foremost, you know, he, he was saying that it was going to be a battle going into the game. You know, they're a top 15 team, ranked number 12 at the time. And uh, we were just stressing defense. They're a high, high-talented team, one through five, can all put the ball on the floor, can all shoot from the perimeter. They crash the boards really hard, but we were just going to have to respond to that and battle throughout the whole game. Alex, what made you come back? Uh, there was, there was a lot of things left on the table. Uh, I like to win and I just felt that, we, you know, we I hadn't brought home a, a WCC championship or we didn't make a big enough run in the NCAA tournament. And I definitely wanted to to see what we could do coming back another year. Uh, and then also just dreams of playing the NBA. You know, I, I thought that I had a lot more left in my tank to prove a lot more to show people across the country. And hopefully I can make that dream come true. I'll, good luck to you, and I'm, I'm really cheering for you, and I'm proud of you for having a great, a great start, you know, coming back. So many people take that jump and they run early, and, and to see someone come back and try to chase their dreams and, and, and accomplish something in that collegiate jersey is special and get better as you, you know, transitioning yourself to be a pro. Thank you. I appreciate that. Alex, talking a little bit more about the game last night. First of all, congrats. Great game. You know, big time win. Is it something going on in the locker room or that your that the players are taking notice that, you know, maybe there's not as much respect to BYU? I mean, you have a lot coming back from last year's team, yet you weren't ranked in the top 25. And I think there was a lot of people yesterday who maybe were, you know, saw Oregon coming out on top of that game. Talk about kind of how you, you know, come about coming to that game and as a team, how you approach a, a big game like that. No, definitely. Over the past two years that I've played at BYU, you know, I don't think that our teams have gotten enough respect going into preseason. And then throughout the course of the season, I, I think we won one big, obviously not super big. Um, and in our, you know, COVID with 2020, we weren't able to play in the tournament. And then last year, you know, we went out in the first round. But uh, this year, just the, the talent that we have on this roster, you know, playing one through five, everybody can, can create, which has opened up a lot of space for me on the floor. Um, where, you know, they can't send two guys at me because we got everybody who can create, can play, make, um, can, can be a threat on the offensive end of the floor. Um, so, so really what we stress is just putting our own agendas aside because at the end of the day, winning, winning is what matters. You know, uh, we, we beat Oregon last night on, on a national level and we're all getting recognition for that. 
because because we were willing to put aside our agendas. Thankfully, everybody was hitting shots. Everybody was playing well. Uh, we were, I mean, we were incredible on the on the offensive and defensive boards, but we, but we were able to guard one through five, and that that came together as a group. And that's what we were saying in the locker room. It, it was going to be a battle, but we need to put aside our own agendas. And I think the guys did that really well. All right, you uh, you embody love and basketball in a lot of ways. Your fiance Zoe Simpson. Yes. Uh, you, you propose to her before you make it a official uh, that you're coming back to BYU. And from what we understand, these were all intertwined together for for one to happen. This was a whole package deal. So. You're smiling ear to ear right now. Take us through this whole process of being an engaged man. Congratulations. Thank you. Staying with BYU. Take us through the whole story. Now, you know, Zoe's been my rock ever since we were at Arizona together. And uh, obviously, I didn't get the opportunity that I wanted at Arizona. Um, I felt like I had a lot, a lot to prove. Obviously, I had to get a lot better um, since I came here to BYU. But she's been my rock throughout it all you know, through, through doing long distance and just kind of rebuilding my confidence as, as the years went on. And uh, I just give all my credit to her. I'm so thankful. She's, she's way out of my league. Um, I'm so happy. she's. <laughs> uh, but just having her here, you know, um, like when, when I decided to come back, I actually decided a few weeks before we got engaged and uh, it was a decision that we made together. And, uh, you know, we we've been together for five years and just kind of seeing what, what our, what our journey is going to be like in the future, kind of what we want for each other and uh, just how supportive she is of me following my dreams. You know, it, it, it's not going to be easy throughout this, this year to, to chase my dreams and to hopefully hear my name in the draft. It's an extremely hard task to do, but uh, just, just being able to have that support from her and, and going throughout the season, going into every game, it's, it's an incredible feeling. I'm so blessed. Now, wait, now, hold, now I got one for you here. So, so how long did you have that ring? I had it for probably, I think, eight months. I got Why it before. You keep that thing from her. <laughs> so so I, I knew that I knew that, she, you know, I wanted to do it for the longest time. But uh, we had both kind of said, you know, once we have our degrees, um, that, that's really when we want to take that next step. So we don't have um, to worry about anything else. Really, we can just start our lives together. But uh, I had that thing. I made sure I did it before the season. I, I think if I, I wanted to ask earlier, I don't know if she would have said yes if I asked earlier. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I had it throughout the whole season. And, and every time she came to visit, it was just, you know, it was nagging at me just to whether or not I should ask. And I'm not a, I'm not uh, too big on holding surprises. So I wanted to ask every time I saw her. But uh, I'm still thankful <laughs> it worked out the way that it did. Now, Carter Elliott is getting married this weekend let's go so yes, i am i want, I want each, of the grooms, each of the grooms here share the best piece of advice that you have man i'm gonna bring out the cliche one but i'm just gonna say happy wife happy life because that's really what it is if she ain't happy you're not gonna be happy that's that's facts that's exactly what i was gonna say she's the <laughs> boss you know whatever she says goes <laughs> Oh, man. Gentlemen, from a guy that's been married long, a lot longer than you guys have, keep that attitude. You'll be fine. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't even pretend, I don't even joke that I run my household. I let <laughs> everybody know the boss is in the room. I just follow orders. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the perfect way to, to end it. Alex, congratulations on a terrific start to the, the season. And, man, oh, man, uh, it looks like you guys are just having a blast in that locker room, the culture of the program. You know, I, I guess we'll end with this here. 
to someone who hasn't been out to Provo and at a BYU game, what are they missing? An insane amount of energy. You know, you come into that Marriott Center and our student section, our entire arena is just rocking from, from the minute. I mean, you could go 30 minutes before the game, the rock is packed to the ceiling. And uh, it's just, just incredible to play in, in front of that fan base. Alex Barcelo, congratulations on a huge performance in the win over number 12, Oregon. Best of luck going forward this season. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Good luck, Brad. Got it. And good luck. And congratulations there on the, the marriage-to-be, Alex Barcelo. Carter Elliott, I'll tell you what, we might have a field of 68 bachelor. <laughs> We'd have a tough team if Alex is hitting shots the way he is. I like <laughs> that. <laughs> Alex, That's thanks for stopping going. by. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) That was great. That was great. Um, Alex Barcel. Look, BYU, what a a performance last night. St. John's, Indiana in a one-point game with 11 seconds left. By the way, coming up on the show, 11.45 or so, we got Kim English, the head coach of George Mason. They pulled it off uh, Mm -hmm. over Maryland. Quick, while we have 11 seconds left. You could go anywhere here because we're going to give the instant reaction once this game wraps up. Anywhere, Randolph, anywhere in college basketball tonight. What's your mind on right now? What's the biggest thing that stood out to you? George Mason. I was really impressed with him tonight. I mean, to see, you know, have, watching that game and seeing different guys stepping up, you know, making plays, seeing, you know, Schultz make, you know, score 24 and 9. You know, I was really impressed with, with, with Josh Aduro. I, he, he scored 12 points, but his footwork, when they needed buckets, when they needed the, a basket, they put the ball in his hands, and he delivered some tough shots. And, and to go into a place like Maryland and win, I, I'm, you know, I'm from the D.C. area. I'm from Washington, D.C., so I understand the, the dynamics and what that, that means. And see to see a team play, you know, as hard as they did today on both ends of the floor and to pull out and get that W was, was big. I was really impressed with GW for a first-year coach. You know, that was impressive. Like this. You're missing for, the for eyes. He does this. just having a little, little background. For a first-year coach, sorry. For a first-year coach and a 34-year-old coach. I mean, right. like that, that, and, but Kim English, as Rob Doster tweeted in the last hour, Kim English expects to win. He's done nothing but win. You know, he's coming from winning programs in Colorado and Tennessee. He's learned from two of the best in the business from Coach Boyle. And, you know, and, 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 and I always say one of my favorites as well, you know, down at who Texas should have never let leave. You know, I think we all, you know, felt that way now. No disrespect to Chris Beard, you know, to Chris Beard being there. But, uh, I mean, he's learned from the best in the business and, and just really happy and proud of him. And I think he'll do great things. I think he'll be at a high major program in the next four years, four, four or five years. Definitely. That's a big win. That's a big win for them as a program. Just like Randolph said, like it, it's it's not just on the court because they went into you know, college parking one. But all those kids in the D.C. area that saw that oh. game that weren't thinking about George Mason, right. George Mason wasn't right. on their roster. And they're seeing a young coach like Kim English, like who wouldn't want to play for a coach like Kim English. So if he does stay there, I know he's going to be a pretty sought after name. You know, he was before and he definitely is with the success he's going to have at George Mason. But you know, now there's even more implications on, you know, what where this George Mason team can go moving forward. Julian Champagny's long-range three is off. Indiana 76, St. John 74 in an epic Gavit Games clash. Trace Jackson Davis and the Hoosiers 
Win by two over the Red Storm at Assembly Hall. Randolph, your instant reaction to IU, an early statement maker in the Mike Woodson era. Really happy. You know, I'm really happy for Mike Woodson, you know, coming out in Indiana getting a win. But it says a lot for Mike Anderson's team as well. To go on a road early, you know, he's building that team. I, I expect St. John to do some really good things this year. So that's a great win. Uh, but really happy for Mike Woodson and that group. I mean, having a big, big time a home win. Uh, gets a really good team. And I think we'll, we'll appreciate how big a win this will be when, when, as the season goes on. Yeah, I think it's definitely a big win. But I also got to shout out St. John's because I think that's an impressive, you know, yes. uh, competition or competitive game for them. Because not only are they going to a hostile environment in Indiana, but in the first half, they had every reason to, you know, just let this game get out of hand. It was about 12 points. They have a player ejected. They're not playing too well. They're having silly turnovers in the backcourt. The body language was really bad for a couple players. And, you know, the game could have got out of hand very quickly. But obviously there was a gut check or something that happened in that locker room at halftime. And they came out and they made it a game and played really, really hard. So, you know, like Randolph said, this is going to be a really good, you know, team for Mike Anderson and them. I'm going to tell you what, what I noticed tonight on the offensive end of the floor for Indiana. They did a good job of attacking a St. John's front court that still is unproven. St. John's right. brings in a couple of transfers. Joel Soriano coming in from Fordham. Uh, Aaron Wheeler, who Indiana's familiar with, they're coming over from Purdue. Uh, the, the fact is, this front court, the, at the five, you're still talking about an unproven unit. So what did Mike Woodson do? He said, Race Thompson, you're going to keep on surging along. Race Thompson has been a revelation here for the Hoosiers. I mean, he looks like a, a refreshed player, a refreshed personality when he's out there on the court. And as much as Trace Jackson Davis, guys, the evolution of him as a passer is a big takeaway from this game as well. I think for, for me, like I'm seeing Race Thompson play his best basketball right now in an Indiana uniform. Yeah, and well, you he, just, he, he, he's making me eat my words personally, too, because I thought in order for <laughs> Trace Jackson Davis to have a really, really big year, I thought he was going to have to be more by himself. I thought Race Thompson was hindering him a little bit just with Race Thompson's play style. Nothing like Race Thompson really does, but I think his play style wasn't really cohesive to me to Trace Jackson Davis's play style. But obviously, these first three games are making it work. He's averaging a double-double. He's doing all the little things. And, you know, he comes up in this game, he makes the big shot to put him up three points and, uh, you know, kind of seal the deal. So he's playing extremely well. You got to give him credit. And, you know, they're all playing well. So here's the pro- Here's the one thing here. If you look at St. John's, their non-conference schedule is not strong beyond one game. One mm-hmm. game. December 3rd at UBS Arena on Long Island. They're going to host Kansas. And that's almost a non-conference game we're here. The, the facts are the facts. You're going to be the underdog in that game, and you're going to have a lot of pressure on yourself now to win that game. I mean, I got to run you through this right now of, of, of why this is, this is a loss that it stinks for the Red Storm as much as I think that this team showed us a lot tonight. They could have gone away. I still got to share this with you guys here. After tonight, Fairly Dickinson, St. Francis, Brooklyn, NJIT, and the Kansas game, Fordham, Monmouth, Colgate, all these games are at home, Pittsburgh, that's it. You got to think of it this way. A lot of programs will do that. He's getting in a guy like Seriano coming in there that he needs to stabilize the interior. You need to give him time, and you need to get these kids like Seriano time to, to adjust to what you're trying to do. 
So when you throw them out there against players like Trace Jackson Davis, you can't continuously do that. And then you said Kansas coming in with with McCormick, you know, so you got to give them games to get some confidence building and let your team kind of, you know, let things fall into place. A lot of teams are doing it. Not everyone can schedule, you know, you know, high, you know, high major programs all year round. They'll, they'll get tested in the biggest we know. Right. So you don't want to, you know, having, having, having Indiana and having Kansas outside the big East, that's enough right now for a team that I think Mike, you know, Mike, you're still trying to Mike Anderson still trying to, you know, to, to, to change the culture there. Right. He's still trying to say, Hey, he wants to, you know, send out, you know, a message to everyone in the area in New York. Hey, St. John's is a place, all these players, you know, leaving New York and they're going other places to say, Hey, St. John's is a place we're back. I'll get us going again. You need to stay home. Yeah, and one thing I do like about this team is they do have different options. They have depth. That that lends itself to Mike Anderson's system. Tonight, they didn't get enough beyond Julian Champagny, but let's put some respect on this kid's name. Julian Champagny is going to be an NBA draft pick. He's going to be an NBA draft pick. Tonight, he puts up 32 points for the Red Storm. He kept them in this game, and um, he had seven rebounds as well. He had six three-pointers in this game. Guys, I'll tell you, he he is someone that's getting slept on nationally. This is a guy that could be a Big East player of the year this year. He really could be the best player in the conference. Carter, I don't know about you. I don't think any of us slept on him. I I, I don't believe any of us slept on him. Man, he's a, he's a bucket. He's always been a bucket, too. That's right. the thing. Like, right. it's not taking me by – I'm not surprised at all that he came out in Assembly Hall and he had 30. That, that does not surprise me at all. I mean, he's a certified bucket. He's always going to be able to fill it up. They're going to stay in games. They're never out of games with him on the court because not only can he fill it up, he can fill it up quick and in a hurry. So, you know, well, and I, you know what else? be good. And you know what else? They could stay in games no matter what the deficit is. Because they defend. Yep. If they're down by 17 in a game and you say it's over. Uh, not necessarily. Tonight, they were. I think they were down 13 at one point, 12 right. or 13 points. Well, because they defend that way, like, let's think about it. Put it this way. How many games this year where they play where he's not the best scorer on the floor? I'm not saying they're the best team, but how many games will they play this year where he's not the best scorer on the floor? Not many. I so mean, I, three, they're, they're many. Three, three games in right now, and he's been the best scorer three games out of three. So, Right. Yeah. I, I, think, I think having said that, that's why, I mean, they're always going to have a chance. And I think that's why they're going to be so dangerous because he's so explosive. Like tonight. If Montres Mathis plays, who knows how this game yeah, is. He got off to a good start. If he doesn't get ejected, get, get the flag into and get up and thrown out of the game, this could be a totally different game. We yep. could be sitting here celebrating, saying they're off to, you know, a great start. They're still undefeated. We wouldn't know how this would end. All right, let's go back to Indiana. Anything schematically, Randolph, that you notice that Mike Woodson's doing that stands out to you, particularly with, with his system here? I think he's feeding Trace Jackson Davis and just putting the ball in his hands. I think he's seen early. We're seeing him snatch it, push it, pass it better than I've ever seen him do it. So I think he's giving him full autonomy and saying, hey, I'll slow things down and run this offense through you, but you got to make sure you make the right play. And that isn't always forcing shots. And I think he's done a really good job with that. He's not coming down trying to prove to say, hey, I'm a, you know, this is the next step for me, you know, for to be an NBA player. A lot of times when those young men come back, they're thinking about what the scouts are telling them, not necessarily what their coach is telling them. And I, it looks like to me, he's he's bought into what Mike, Mike Woods is selling. Man, I tell you what, the Big Ten needed this this evening for Michigan State right. and Indiana. And those two came through because Maryland losing. 
Hey, the, the, the boys in green, we always got y'all <laughs> big time. We got y'all, man. So, you know, there's a couple teams in Ann Arbor that couldn't get it done. <laughs> but, you know, we can't. We got y'all. We'll make it happen. I told y'all we would get it done. Gavit Games, we held it down. We got y'all. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what here. I mean, Gavit Games, this is the sixth edition of these games. It is the earliest conference challenge. These have been absolutely phenomenal games here in the second week of the season. You look at the level that we just saw. I mean, what? Indiana beats St. John's by two. Seton Hall beats Michigan by two. Marquette beat Illinois by a point. Mm-hmm. We're talking last possession. And, and at this stage of the season, nothing's backbreaking. If you win, it's a, it's a great feather in right. your cap. But this is a dream. Like, this isn't even that SEC Big 12 challenge that happens in late January where – you know, you're breaking up your conference play and you got to now play it. Kentucky's got to play Kansas when they're not playing them in the champions or whatever. This, this for me, like Big East and Big Ten getting together, it's been terrific to watch this week. It's been theater and it's a really nice part of the college hoop season because we sometimes go from opening night and then we have to wait till Thanksgiving for right. the big games. This is a really nice schedule placement. Well, we also, we're seeing the benefit of the transfer portal, right? We're seeing balance throughout. We're seeing parity throughout. There's a lot of programs that have benefited from it, you know, from the transfer portal. There's a lot of teams that have, you know, there's a lot of upsets. You know, we were talking about that earlier, you know, from, from Virginia losing the Navy. And I wouldn't call the Houston game uh, against Virginia an upset. But you're seeing a lot of parity and a lot of, uh, uh, you know, balanced teams and a lot of experience, like a lot of teams before now, the, the, the high majors are younger and they're they're not as experienced. And some of these mid-major and low-major programs are having fifth-year guys and guys that are coming back for even a sixth or seventh year. And you just can't account for that kind of experience. Yeah. The early games are great, like you said, Fanta. Like you have every team that's coming out of this, they can look right. at it two ways. It's Like you said, it's not backbreaking. Take the Michigan-Seton Hall game, for example. You can look at that game. There's a couple things that Michigan can fix here or there, a couple fouls down the stretch. They fix that game, and, you know, they look. They can basically lean back on that game, and they have the rest of the year to fix it. Okay, so you have these big games. It's nice to tap that win that you can, that you can have a big win in your back pocket. But you can also use it as a teaching moment. Illinois is going to do the same exact thing. They had to play without Kofi. Curbelo's coming into the point guard position. He has some struggles. Okay, that's going to happen. It's growing pains. So, like, now what are you going to do? You have a whole year to show what you can do. So, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a good thing to have, like you said, Phantom. We don't even know. The teams don't even know what they have, to be honest. Right. But think about it. When you talk about the tra- – we talked about the transfer portal a second ago. None of these kids came in on official visits. So all you did was watch film and say, hey, you looked at some stats and you watched some film and took these kids. So you got to realize now, again, these early games, coaches are just finding out what they actually have. They're learning as we're watching. They're learning what they actually have on their team. So, we're, we're you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see the adjustments, you know, as we move forward here in the next, you know, before teams get into conference play. Well said, well said. Um, let's move back into some of these unranked teams beating ranked teams. So your most impressive unranked team beating a ranked team thus far this season. I think it's hard to not look at what Alex Barcelo and BYU just did to to Oregon last night. Um, But man, uh, unranked beating ranked, for me, my vote is firm. My vote is firm. I will give you both a chance here. 
Who wants to go first? Most impressive unranked feed in a rank thus far this, this season, or maybe most shocking for you? I just said Mason, you know, beat Maryland. I mean, just the rivalry, you know, being there. Those, school, those schools were 20 miles apart. And, and you're just not expecting that the University of Maryland, you, you, know, you know, that's a great program, a tournament team year in and year out. Mason, you know, getting Kim English in there, first-year coach, turning things around. I, I'm shocked that they were able to go into College Park tonight and get that win. Yeah, there's a couple for me. George Mason's definitely won. Seton Hall going into Michigan, that's a huge win for them, uh, especially in a comeback victory. But I also want to send a shout-out to Florida. Uh, Florida plays, has played extremely well this year, and – they had a really big win over a ranked Florida State team. And I think that's big for them just as a team and also just as a program because, you know, all the talk down there is about Florida State and, you know, the great Leonard Hamilton and what he does on the recruiting trail, what they do in the tournament. And Florida's kind of an afterthought, but they got a good coach themselves and Coach White. And, you know, they got guys that are playing at pretty high levels that maybe weren't playing at high levels at their last place. Colin Castleton, a transfer from Michigan, could not get on the floor of Michigan. And now he's a beast at Florida, holding down the paint and doing good things. So I think that was a, that was one of the really good wins of the week for me too. I'll tell you, I'm going to go back to, because you brought up uh, the hall over Michigan, I, I would say that's the best win out of anybody in college basketball, but I'm going to give you my take right now. Glasses are off. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, you better get Shaka Smart now because in two or three years, it's going to be next to impossible. I feel that way. For those who do not know, Marquette University spends Scrooge McDuck coins on basketball. They pour resources after resources after resources. For those who do not know, this program was making the second weekend of the NCAA tournament in 2011, 12, 13. They'd been stuck in a drought. Steve Wojciechowski ran its course. It just simply did not work out. Simply did not work out. You talk to the people in that building. They, they liked Wojo as a, as a human being. Ran its course. Things happened. Whatever. Shaka Smart to Marquette. Marquette is benefiting in a big way. Because they're getting a guy who people are now doubting because he lost to Corpus Christi. And people say, I don't know about Shaka Smart. Maybe the VCU thing was a one-off. Maybe it's not true. I can tell you right now. He showed earlier this week, Kofi Copron was off the floor. And even that being said, Illinois had a substantial talent advantage in the game on paper. They still have more talent. Shaka Smart said, okay, Brian Underwood, if you're going to beat us, you're going to win the game on my terms. Havoc is back. Marquette basketball this season is still going to be a, a program that you're going to see. You're going to see them pick off some teams. You might see them lose some games to some teams that make you say, how'd they lose that? When you play that style, there's a frenetic nature to it. And Marquette doesn't have terrific half-court offense. In fact, their half-court offense, if you stick them in the half-court, Daryl Morsell's got to do it all. And there's, there's some unknowns. Justin Lewis is a little bit up and down. Marquette won a game on Monday night that, frankly, everybody had them losing. And, frankly, Illinois should have closed out. The fact that you win a game like that and you could show that to recruits, you have that atmosphere, you show your players that early in your tenure what life can be at Marquette, statement maker by Shaka Smart. Shaka's back, Havoc's back, and soon Marquette will be back. 
That was quite the statement, Fanta. Hey, you got me. Where, where do I sign up for that? Where do I go? I'm, I'm not signing up yet. I will take. <laughs> I'll take a waiver. I'll take a waiver, but I'm not signing up yet. I, I think it's still early. I, I I agree. I'm with you, Carter. I think it's still early. I do believe in Shaka. I do think he's in a. This Marquette fits him better than Texas. I think he'll have tremendous success there. I think it'll come relatively quick. He's always recruited, no matter where he's been. He'll get players. He'll get talent. I think the question will be similar to what happened to him in Texas because he's at Marquette will the talent stay and I think that's something in today's climate you just can't control he'll get talent but will it stay long enough to be able to sustain now he doesn't have the unrealistic expectations that Texas have so I think he'll be fine he'll have some success but I'm it's still a little premature to 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 go all in I wouldn't push my chips all in on him yet all right, let's get to guest number two tonight. I put all my chips in on Kim English. I think we all would. George Mason, 71, number 20, Maryland, 66. So how did the Patriots pull off an upset that will be remembered by that program forever? Here's Kim English from the Xfinity Center after an epic win for George Mason. One of the biggest stories of the night in college basketball, and it's led by a first-year head coach in Kim English and George Mason taking down number 20 Maryland by a final score of 71 to 66. And we are joined by Kim English, now the head coach at George Mason. And Kim, you're from Baltimore. How sweet is this to lead your program to a win of this magnitude over the Terrapins? No, it's great. It's a great win for our program and, you know, historic you know, stuff aside, it's just a great win because, you know, we built the schedule to play quality opponents in Maryland being the fourth. Obviously, our first game on the road, you know, playing good enough to win. Not our best, but uh, on the road, you just want to find a way. We want to find a way. We want to, we want to play to our standard and execute, and it was a good win for our ball club. All right, what was it like post-game locker room? Give us a taste. Uh, it, it, you know, it was great, and I'm happy for the guys. You know, just happy for the guys. Uh, it was fun. Our university president, Dr. Washington, was in there. Brad Edwards, our athletic director. Um, it was great. You know, these guys worked incredibly hard. You know, the guys that decided to stay when a young first-year coach got the job didn't go in the portal. Josh Duro came back from the portal. Um, we got some really high-level transfers that, you know, were huge tonight. And um, I'm just really proud of those guys. We got a bus ride to Harrisonburg, Virginia, and we play a really good James Madison team on Friday night. When you say stayed, they bet on you. Take us inside the room when, when you're convincing them. What, what's the message? Well, some of the guys I didn't have to convince. They didn't get in the portal. They just stayed. You know, the, the, the guys, Josh Duro, it was some recruiting. But, again, like I, I really only recruited those guys for about a week. You know, we, 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 you, know we, you, you can't play for me if you don't have a chip on your shoulder. You can't come and play at George Mason if you don't have an attitude like – you know, it's – we fully came in here expecting to win. You know, we, you know, we celebrated because it was a great win. It was a quality win against an NCAA tournament team. But, you know, the guys that are on our group, they're the guys that we need and are going to help take this program to the next level. You know, I'm curious because I was reading about your journey and uh, you playing for Frank Haith and then becoming – uh, under his coaching staff, but during your pro days when you're still playing, you're actually reviewing game film of his and helping the team out while you're still uh, playing professionally. 
when you're going through that process, Kim, you know, does it ever occur to you that someday you're going to have a moment like you just did tonight? Yeah, you know, I, I was immersed in just doing as good a job as a, you know, at that time I was trying to break into coaching and then eventually doing the best job I could as a uh, an assistant coach. And along the way, I picked up so much stuff from Mike Anderson back to when I was a player to Frank Haith as a player and a coach, Tad Boyle, Rick Barnes. You know, all those guys had such a huge impact on me as a coach and their fingerprints are all over our program. If Rick Barnes and Frank Haith and Tad Boyle were watching this game tonight, I'm pretty sure they'd be chuckling because um, their fingerprints are all over what we do on both sides of the ball. Give us your best Haith or Barnes story. Give, it, give us something that, that's just off the wall, uh, off the wall great. I'm curious. Well, Barnes is way too many to tell. Uh, Tad, I, I don't even know how to explain it, man. They just – their fingerprints are all over this program, literally in the way we play and also in our staff. You know, Dennis Felton I worked with at Tulsa, I.J. Poole, Devontae Gaines were with me at Tennessee, Deshaun Schwartz, Nate Thomason were with me at, at Colorado. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know a story right now at the top, but, yeah. On that bus, uh, what's your guess as to – because here's the thing, you – you could go out and play, Kim. You're you're the type of coach. You could go out and play in a game. You you're you're with the these guys. You listen to what they listen to. I'm I'm sure. What's playing on the bus here tonight? I don't know, but I know I gotta go. We got a two hour, two and a half bus hour ride, ride to Harrisonburg. So hate to cut it short, but but I do got to get out of here. What's your message to America about George Mason basketball? Come rock with us. You're in a DMV. Come rock with us. If, if you're a player. That wants to play with freedom and, and, and play with the, you know, just the opportunity to create for yourself and your teammates, play physical, tough, you know, have an opportunity to showcase your game, to play at the next level. I think it's a no-brainer decision. Justin Fernandez, four-star, one of the best players in the country. Devin Dinkins, Cam Walker, they're all coming. So it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be a George Mason Patriot. What a win. All right. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye. To beat Maryland. You know, the Terrapins fans are all sitting on their couches right now saying, gosh, damn it, we should never lose to George Mason. <laughs> and every George Mason fan is thinking 16 years ago, Final Four, why not us, baby? 0-9 all the time headed into this game tonight. They got their first win against the Terps, man. They, I mean, they, they lost to a good team. I mean, I, I said it before the game. Maryland has been, had some slow starts to the first yeah. couple games, but they yeah. haven't played teams with enough talent to capitalize on those slow starts. They had another slow start. They ran into a team that has Adoro, Schwartz, you know, and a coach like Kim English. They're, they saw an opportunity. They smelled blood in the water, and they took advantage. So credit to them. That's a huge win. Let's turn to another game tonight, another power conference game this evening. I'm talking about Oklahoma State and NC State. It's Oklahoma State who wins 74-68, to but the bigger picture right now is NC State losing Manny Bates to a right shoulder injury for the remainder of the season. A big blow to Kevin Keats and the Wolfpack. Randolph, how did you see the absence of Bates in, in this game tonight um, and, and how it affected NC State and what they need to do going forward without him. Well, Caleb Bourne is a good player, but he had 20 points in the paint tonight. They had, you know, for Oklahoma State, they had 21 offensive rebounds. They were plus 18 in the paint. I mean, 
when Manny's there, you, you just don't have those type of performances. I mean, he's a long, athletic guy that moves well. He's averaging almost four block shots a game. I can assure you haven't competed against him. He can, he controls the paint. And, and, and at the end of their press, it allows their guards to pressure. So much of what they're doing relies on them forcing turnovers. And he's, they could be aggressive in the front court knowing that Manny had them in the back court and wasn't gonna, it was going to protect the rim. They've lost that. They cannot replace that uh, on top of losing Braxton, you know, Bra- uh, Beverly Braxton from a year ago. You know, they lost Shaquille Moore and, and Devin Daniels, and that's just a perimeter scoring. They just can't make up. Yeah, I'm not saying Manny Bates is the best player in the ACC, but he's one of the most important players to his team. Right. Uh, this is a team that needs him, like Randolph said, it on all facets of the game, especially on the defensive end. And because they lose so many pieces offensively, they got to win games in the trenches doing the dirty work. So they got to rebound and they got to lock in on defense. And that's what Bates was for them. And they don't have that moving forward. So it's a huge issue that uh, their coach is going to have to figure out moving forward because obviously he's out for the year. But I mean, you you can't put in the words how big that loss is for them as a team because he's what makes he's what makes NC State go. Right. They struggle offensively to score, but they were always big on forcing turnovers. And then their pressure, when they would get after you in their 1-2-1-1 or their 2-2-1 pressure, he was a guy that was in a back line that was protecting it. So those guys came to gamble and be as aggressive as they wanted to be. And losing that protection now hurts them on the glass because now they got to worry about that. He was my preseason defensive ACC player of the year. And I think a lot of people voted him as that as well. And, and losing him, they lose a great deal on the defensive side of the ball. All right, we're going to try a new segment here to close out after dark. We ready? Let's do it. All right, we're going to do tippins. Tippins. Rapid fire here. Mm. Give us your thought. I'm going to fire off a question here. This is open season, so let's do it here. Let's dive in. Thursday evening, Sintas Center. Now the Gavit games are at 4-2. Big East 4, Big 10-2. The one matchup is Rutgers-DePaul. Let's look at the other matchup, though. This is the big one. This could be the differentiator here. Number 19, Ohio State at Xavier Carter. Who wins this game and why? I think Ohio State wins it because I don't think Xavier is at full strength yet. Uh, I think they got a good team. They got some solid pieces. They're one of those teams as a program that plays extremely hard. Xavier basketball has a brand. Um, but right now they're not at full strength. And I think that Ohio State, kind of the cream is going to rise. To the cream is going to rise to the top in that game. I expect Ohio State to win. I expect Ohio State to win as well. They, they've gotten onto a sluggish start. They avoided a late upset early in the year. I think they they, they had their wake up call. I think I expect Xavier to take care of business and win. I'll tell you what. Yeah, they, yeah you've got you both have Ohio State. Um, I, I think that in this game, Ohio State has the best player on the floor in EJ Liddell, and that matters so much. Um, that being said, if Paul Scruggs is ever going to change his Xavier journey from here to here, this night is a defining night in his career. He has been Xavier's heart and soul. Xavier's gotten off to a bit of a rocky start to the season. This is a chance for a guy that came back for a fifth season to show out at home at a sellout Sintas Center. What will he bring to the table? I expect a very close game. Um, I think E.J. Liddell makes some plays. You've got uh, Zed Key down the stretch as well. We'll see. Chris Holman knows Xavier so well uh, because he was at Butler. So I I love this matchup. I think it'll be a lot of fun tomorrow. Uh, Let's turn to question two in 
Tippins, Randolph. Should Paolo Bancaro have played last night? No. I, I, I think he should have been at least one game. I understand um, he's put himself, if anything else, to show him what he needs to be cognizant of in life decisions going forward. I think that should have been a message, whether you believe he, you know, he was just a, you know, a passenger in the vehicle and he didn't, he was, you know, a little, was he drinking or not? And he decided to give someone the keys. I just think the message for a young man like that, you have to say whose future in front of him so much going forward. He has so much to lose. I think you send a message by not playing him. I thought you could have done that against Gardner Webb. I understand you didn't want to, you know, he, he, you felt like he didn't do anything wrong. Maybe if you wanted to argue that, but yes, I think he needed to, 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 to at least sit a game. I'm on the same page as Randolph. I think he should have sat a game as well. Uh, just basically for precedent purposes. I think right. you need as a, just as a man in general, when things go wrong and when you do something wrong, there has to be consequences for your action. That's how life's going to be, whether you're playing basketball or you're not playing basketball. So basically right now he had no consequences for his actions. You know, like, like Randolph said, who knows how bad those actions were. No one really knows the full story, but basically something went wrong and there was no consequences for that situation. And that's really not how life works. So he definitely should have been uh, set out last night's game for sure. Okay. Tippins here. Number three, four ranked teams are getting together this weekend at the basketball hall of fame tip-off tournament at Mohegan Sun. You have Villanova playing Tennessee as well as North Carolina and Purdue. This isn't about who you trust the most in March. This is about here in November. Who wins this tournament of top 25 teams this weekend? Carter, go. Going Tennessee to beat Villanova because, because Kennedy Chandler, greater than sign, Colin Gillespie. I oh, keep, my, no. I'm saying it. Yeah, I said it before the season. I'm going to keep staying. I'm standing on I'm 10 toes down on that opinion. I'm sorry, fans. I know you always give me crap for it, but I'm standing on it. He'll make it known in this game. No, nope, come back, Fanta. Come on back. Nope. Nope, no, 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 no. And Tennessee has a good team. Kennedy Chandler, I like the team. I'm still not a I'm not I'm not buying into the Villanova. I think they're one of the overrated teams in the country. Oh. I'm not saying they're bad, but I think they're an overrated team as people look at them as a top three. Is that fair? The top three team? I, I'm saying people look at them as a top three team, and I, I don't, don't really that way. But but if, they, if people are looking at them that way right now, I, I don't think that they're a top three team in college basketball. Okay, so that's where my okay. kind of okay. Wait, so who did you have winning it? Purdue. Uh, yeah, Purdue. Okay, Randolph. Hmm. I got Purdue winning it, and I, and I like them winning overall. I, I like their inside and outside balance. But the the problem is in Gillespie with Villanova. I think I think Justin Moore is the guy. I think Justin Moore is going to step up and be the guy that people are. He's, he's a bucket. He's a scorer. He's a kid. I loved and recruited him out of high school and expect some new guys to, you know, to burst on the scene in that system. And like Brandon Slater, you know, typically the freshman, it takes them a year or two in that system to shine. Uh, I think Justin Moore would be the guy that steps up and it wouldn't surprise me, but I picked him to beat Tennessee. So, so wait, so Randolph, just to make sure. So you're saying another year of Colin Gillespie not being the best player on Villanova, basically. <laughs> I don't think I'm don't saying think that I'm saying, yes, I'm saying Justin Moore would be the best player on the Villanova team. This year. I, I rest my case. We don't even have enough time. We don't have enough time to get into this. <laughs> Sometimes the point guard isn't the best player on a team. He still is a winner. He's a game manager 
And he's more than that. He's more than that. He makes plays. He got tired of UCLA. We, we could go on all night. All right, last one. We got like 40 seconds here because then we're out of here. You could pick any one college basketball coach for one last call, one beer with. Who are you picking? Carter, go. Can't oh, be Tom, Tom Izzo. Easy. Uh, Randolph, go. Izzo. Uh, and I'm not saying this is Carter's on the phone. I'm a huge fan of Coach Izzo's, and I've always had been. He's my favorite. Uh, it doesn't matter that they're not currently coaching. He coached for a period of time, and I know if I'm drinking with Bill Raftery, we're going to go until 4 or 5 a.m. Uh, because he's the best on the air, and he's the best at a pup. Uh, that's it. We're done with After Dark here on the Field of 68. The gang will be back with a, another crew tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern time for our producer, Dagan Hughes, for Carter Elliott, for Randolph Childress. I'm John Fanta. Remember, Colin Gillespie can still play, and Michigan State basketball is back.